Now, we are continuing today our series on unshakable love, and so that last song, of course, fits in perfectly with what we're talking about today, but we are going to continue to look in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and so if you have your Bible, you can turn there, and we're going to look in verse number 4, but our, our focus for today is going to be on getting a biblical definition of love. And, you know, there's a lot of different definitions out there about what love is, what love means, but I think the best place that we can turn to in order to find out what love is is to look and to see what the Bible has to say. Now, uh, I think because of the word love, we use it in a lot of different ways. You know, I love, you know, I love donuts, um, I love peanuts, I love, uh, I love my wife, and, uh, you know, and I love the church. Now, there's a lot of different ways that you can use love, but in each one of those instances, that word love, has, it, it carries with it a different meaning for each one of those things. And so it's important the way that we define things, that we understand what a true definition of words are. Uh, let me give you an example. Uh, there's a lot of times whenever companies, they'll try to globalize, uh, globalize their, their product across a market, a worldwide market, and whenever they do that, they have to be careful. Uh, they have to be careful that the words that they use in order to advertise their product carries with it the same definition uh, of, the, of what we think the word means. Um, a, a number of years ago, there was an airline that was called Braniff Airlines. If y'all, if y'all, y'all remember Braniff? That was the first airline I ever flew on. And uh, their upholstery, what they would sell themselves on, is that the upholstery in the airplane was made out of leather. And so they had their, their little tagline was Braniff Fly in Leather. Now that sounds good to us, but whenever you went to Spanish-speaking countries, uh, fly in leather was translated fly naked. And so that tended to you know, kind of make some people nervous. Um, another product, of course, was Pepsi. A number of years ago, their little tagline was you know, Pepsi brings you back to life. And then in Chinese, though, it, it says Pepsi brings you back from the grave. Uh, so a lot of older people really started drinking a lot of Pepsi. Uh, but one of, my, uh, one of my favorite ones is uh, Gerber, whenever, Gerber Baby Food, whenever they started advertising in uh, the, the continent of Africa. Uh, you know, you remember they had the, the, the little food is inside the jar, and on the outside of the jar is the little, you know, that cute little baby. Now, that, that's cute to us, but in uh, the parts of uh, Africa like Ethiopia where literacy, literacy rate is not very high, they usually put what's on the inside of the jar on the label on the outside. And so it didn't sell well um, over there, so people did not want to be eating babies. So anyway, it's just kind of kind of interesting. So you want to make sure that, that whatever you are using to, to advertise or whatever words you are using, you want to make sure that they translate well. Well, a, a word that we use a lot in our culture is the word love. And so love carries with it, for many people, a lot of different meanings. And so I, I really think that the best place to go to find out what is the true definition of love, I really believe it is, it is Scripture. I think you're going to get the best picture of what love is when you look into the Bible. And so that's why today we are looking in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And as I have I've shared with you all the last couple of weeks, and of course you all, many of you all already know this, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is known as the love chapter. So I, I think it's just a natural place for us to turn to to find a definition, a biblical definition of love. And so if you have your Bible, we're going to look in verses 4 through 6 in just a few moments. 
but uh, the, the, the Bible, most of the New Testament, was written in the Greek language. And so in the Greek language, they had several different words for love to express or convey its meaning. Um, in the Greek language, one of the words for love is phileo love. Uh, and y'all know from the city of Philadelphia, that is the city of what? Brotherly love. So the word phileo is speaking of a brotherly love. Um, then there is eros love. It is a romantic love. But in 1 Corinthians 13, the word that is used for love here is the word agape love. And I'm sure a lot of you have heard that word before. But agape love is speaking of an unconditional love. It is speaking of the kind of love that you, you don't earn it. Um, it's not something that because you've done so many good things that you get it. It, it is a kind of love that God gives to people. And so we're going to look in our text today, and we're going to see it's speaking of agape love. And as believers, this is one of the kinds of love that we are called to have. And so we're just very simply today going to look at a few different ways that love is biblically defined. And so what we're going to see today, the very first thing I want us to see is it starts off by letting us know what love is. Biblically, what is love? Now look in verse number 4, and it, it just tells you right up front. It says, love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, is not boastful, and is not conceited. So, you know, so, so what is love? The Bible, verse number four. It says, love is patient and love is kind. That sounds good. Now, what does that mean? Now, the word patient is translated, and I like this word. It, it translated, patience means long-suffering. And, and I, I, I looked at it, I thought, that is a great definition of what patience is. I mean, it means to be long-suffering. And, and it's referring, it's not referring to people, uh, or excuse me, it's not referring to circumstances, you know, being patient through circumstances. It is speaking of being long-suffering with people who have wronged you, and you have the power to get them back, but you don't do it. Now, that's a, that's, that, doesn't that sound very Christian? And yeah, I look at that, that doesn't make sense to me though. You know, why would I want to give love to someone who causes me to suffer? But patience, the Bible tells me that patience is a mark of a follower of Jesus. Galatians 5, and 23 says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. And it says patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So, so why, would I want, why would I want to love things that make me suffer? Well, here's the deal. When you become a follower of Jesus, you now belong to him. And you now no longer represent yourself. You now represent Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.20, that's what Paul said. He said, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, certain that God is appealing through us. He says, we plead on Christ's behalf to others, be reconciled to God. So we're ambassadors for Christ. What does an ambassador do? An ambassador represents his leader in his absence. So he speaks for him. He is to conduct himself in a way that, that, the, that the leader would conduct himself in the same kind of a way. Well, that, that's what Paul is telling us. Jesus, in his absence on earth today, those of us who are followers of Jesus, guess what? We, we represent Jesus. That means that we are to speak like he does. It means that we are to love like he does. What, what does he do? How does he do that? What's an example of it? 
2 Peter 3.9 gives us a pretty good picture of it. It says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness, but he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but all people to come to repentance. Now, if God wanted to, he could, you know, he could start all of creation over again if he wanted to. He could look at us and say, these people have messed up so many times. I'm done dealing with them, but that's not what he does. He has the power to remove us, but instead he chooses to reconcile us, to love us, to try to redeem us. So what is love? Well, we're told very simply at the very beginning, love is patient. It's long-suffering. Then it also says that love is kind. That is the second thing. The Bible translator William Tyndall rendered the word as courteous. So, you know, love, that means love is never going to be rude. It's going to be considerate of the feelings of others. And so when you put those two things together, patience and kindness, you have a picture of biblical love. And I, I really believe this. I think if more people saw us practicing this kind of love, there'd be more and more people who would be drawn to Jesus. Because that is a different definition than most of us have about love. It is something that is transformative. A, a number of years ago, I read a book by a pastor named Steve Shogren. It's called The Conspiracy of Kindness. And uh, he was pastor of a church in Cincinnati. And he said during the time that he was pastor of that church, he said Cincinnati was known, if, if you're from there, I've, I don't know anything about it, but he said it was known as America's most unfriendly city. And so he said, I wanted us to do something about it. He said, I wanted uh, Christians in general uh, to come out and to change our reputation. He said, so they started doing what they called the, you know, uh, random acts of kindness. He said, so their church, he said, on Saturdays from 10 o'clock in the morning to 1 p.m., he said, we'd stand out like on a street corner when it was warm and hand out bottled water. And I'm sure some of you have seen this happen before. He said, we'd hand out cards that would say, Jesus is in love with you. He said, they turned the cards over and say, as a church, we just want to demonstrate you in, to, to you in a simple way that God loves you. So they did this over and over and over again. Now, the one that really impressed me was that Steve Shogren and his wife started going to, like, gas stations. And, and they would tell them, they did this for years, they'd say, could we clean your bathroom for you? As you can imagine, the gas station attendants were like, we would love for you to do that. And so every week they would go in on Saturdays to the local gas stations and make their bathrooms spick and span. You know what happened because of that? After they'd been doing that for a while, people began to wonder, why in the world is this church doing this? And they didn't have any strings attached. And people started showing up and they were drawn to Jesus because of that kind of love. I thought that was a cool story. And you know, I, I read that book 20 years ago and I remember thinking, I would like to be a part of the church that is interested in serving in the community to show people that Jesus loves them. And I, I, man, I'm happy to say we, we're part of, I'm a part of a church that's like that. So I look into scripture, I say, well, how, how is love defined? Well, it lets us know what love is. Now, if you know what love is, it is, what is it? It is patient, it's kind. Well, if you know what love is, then the next thing we're going to see is now we're going to see what love is not. So, so what, is, what is love? Well, we, we saw that it's patient and kind. Now we're going to see what it is not. Verse number four again says, love is patient, love is kind. And then here's what it's not. Love does not envy, is not boastful, is not conceited, does not act improperly, is not selfish, is not provoked, 
does not keep a record of wrongs. I underline that last one in my Bible because I know a lot of people that need help here. Um, and unfortunately, including, including me. Okay, now, in, in our church, probably the two, in our church staff, probably the two kindest people that are on our staff, other than me, would be James Ballou, and he's the one who leads the music, and Amy uh, Pellucci, who does the announcements. Amy, when you see her on those announcements, she's really like that. And uh, so, you know, I, I, I look at them, and, and if, if one of y'all came to me and said, Amy and James are in a knockdown, drag-out fight with each other or with anybody else, let me, I will not believe you. You know I won't believe you? Because I know James, and I know, and I know Amy. I know what they are, and I know what they are not. They would never do that. Now, the same thing is true with love. If we know what love is, because if I know what love is, then I'm also going to know what love is not. Now, now what, is, what is love not? Well, here's what Scripture says. It doesn't envy. It isn't boastful. It's not conceited. It doesn't act improperly. It's not selfish, not provoked, doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Now, if you see any of those things in, in your life or in somebody else's life, I, we automatically know that is not love. It starts off by saying, love, it does not envy. The word envy, it means jealous. Love is not jealous. Uh, That means whenever you see somebody do well, you will not be envious of them, but instead you will rejoice with them. Now, for some reason, a lot of us, we we really struggle with this one. You know, whenever we see someone do well, instead of rejoicing, it is very easy to become jealous of them. And, and I see this happen all the time. I, I see people who, are, who have the same beliefs, who have the same desires, they are on the same team, and yet when they see another person on their team do well, they want to tear them down. Now, why is that? Because, because in our nature, we're, we're jealous people. See this in the Bible. It's not like we're the only ones. I mean, if you go into the Old Testament, you all remember the story of J- you know, Joseph and his brothers? They're the same family. They want the family to do well. They want the family to succeed. But you remember the brothers became jealous of Joseph and what they did to him. They they wanted to kill him, but they settled for something a little less. They said, oh, we'll just sell him into slavery. Now that's, and this is easy, that's not love. But that's what happens. Whenever you don't have love, you become jealous. Paul also wrote some other things. He says love doesn't boast and it isn't conceited. You know, boasting speaks of bragging about yourself. Uh, It speaks of making yourself out to be more than you really are. And one of the first things that I thought of, and it's not always a good thing for me to say, the first things that I think of, but you know, I just, have you ever been to the beach before and you're walking down the beach and you see some guy that's built like me and he's walking down the beach and he kind of cocks his arms out like this and he's walking? I call those air lats. And so they have these air lights and they're walking around. I was like, now that, I mean, that is somebody that is puffing himself up to be something that he's really not. Now, whenever you see that, that's drawing attention to self. That's not love. And, and that's, what, that's what Paul means. He says it, it is not conceited, which very simply, it does mean to puff up. So, so love is me living to see what I can share and give to other people. And so the, the, final, the final part of what love is is basically summed up in this. Love is, is, love is not rude. You know, our, our, 
um, our actions translate oftentimes into not acting properly. It says love does not act improperly. Uh, again, it's, it's like being, being courteous, not being rude. But did you know, have you all noticed that in, in culture today that rudeness seems to be more and more acceptable? It's, it's just, it really is. It's very, and I know that I sound like an, I'm 50 now, so I sound like an old codger. But it is weird to me to see how, how easy it is for people to be rude. I mean, you watch the news. Uh, you see people, um, even at restaurants, speaking to a waiter. How easy it is not to be gracious with our speech, but to be rude, not to be courteous, not, not to address our elders, not to, you know, the thing, open the door for, for, uh, open the door for ladies, um, stand up giving a seat to somebody who is older than you who needs to sit down. It's just easy to be rude now. And it's more and more acceptable. Let me tell you something. It is never right for a Christian to be rude. And that's unfortunate for me because I can be really rude when I'm driving. But it is never right for a Christian to be rude because if you are rude, you can have all these good things in your life, but rudeness will nullify everything else that you do. There was an article in the Wall Street Journal about McDonald's. And at one time, McDonald's was sort of like the, you know, like the crown jewel of fast food restaurants. And I think today it's probably, I guess it's Chick-fil-A. Uh, but McDonald's at one time was, it was the crown jewel of fast food restaurants. But their stock began to plummet. And what was happening is people began to complain. And so they did an interview with the vice president of McDonald's. And it came down to something very simple. They found that many of the people who, who were serving and delivering food at McDonald's were just simply rude. And the vice president at McDonald's, he said, it's very simple what's going on in our company. He said, service is broken. And that made me think, made me think about the church, made me think about Christians in general. As Christians, we have the most desirable product that there is. It is the gospel. It is packaged in the best way possible in Jesus Christ. But if we are rude, we nullify the power that comes with Jesus. Now, now what is, how does the Bible define love? What is love? Well, it tells us what love is. It's patient. It's kind. It tells us what love is not. It's not conceited. It's not arrogant. It doesn't keep a record of wrongs. So those things are good, but then here's the last part that I like. It now tells us how love acts. So what is love? What is it not? And then how does it act? Verse number 6. It says, finds no joy in unrighteousness, but it rejoices in the truth. Now, true love does not rejoice in the failure of people. And I think that's just something that's natural for us to do. You know, if someone near us fails, then a natural tendency for us is to think, well, they have messed up, this is my opportunity. This is my chance to be able to rise above them and to be able to succeed. And this, this happens, I mean, it, happen, it happens in work, and relationships. Um, y'all, it, y'all, it happens on the golf course. I know there's a lot of y'all that play golf. And so, guys, for those of you, and ladies, for those of you who play golf, maybe you play with a friend, maybe y'all play. I know that sometimes on Sunday afternoons there's some guys that get together and they're playing against one another, and they can be playing with their really good friends, and their really good friend can be, can be up there for a birdie putt. And some of them, in the very, how many of y'all in the very back of your mind, you're thinking, I hope he misses this. 
You know, when, whenever you come up, there's one par five out at Columbia Country Club, and on the right side, it's really, it's kind of tied on the left. On the right, there's this big pond on the right side, and there's somebody in front of me teeing off, and I'm thinking, I really like this guy, but I would not mind if he just dumped it in the water on the right, Gary Collins. Okay, so there's some of the thoughts that I have. Now, now if I, am I wrong for thinking that? Okay, now here's the deal. That kind of thinking, I think it's natural, but did you know that it's, it's not love? I think sometimes what we think is if somebody else succeeds, that means there's less of a chance that I'll be able to succeed. You know, as believers, we have, unli- we have an unlimited storage of goodness and love because of who, who Christ is. And when we see the example given to us by Jesus. I mean, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God loves you so much that he gave everything that he had. And, and that is the way that we are to love. We are to love like God does. Jesus told us this in John 15, 12. He said, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Okay, now, we're in, y'all, we're in church. You're like, we know this. Of course we're supposed to love each other. But what does that mean? Is it, if I'm loving, does that mean I'm supposed to hug everybody? Does that mean I'm supposed to always be chipper all the time? Is that what it means to be loving well, the, the scripture tells us, verse number six. What does love do? How does it act? It says, it rejoices in the truth. Now, now, what is the truth? Well, that stands opposed to iniquity, to sin. Truth means virtue, piety, goodness. So when it says that we're to rejoice in the truth, we are rejoicing when other people find the truth and follow the truth. You know who the truth is? John fourteen six. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Since no man comes to the Father except through me. We rejoice in people who find Jesus and whose lives are transformed by him. And this is something I, I am learning about, about myself and what I'm discovering more and more is that whenever I look and I see other people whose lives are touched by Jesus and I see them changed, it excites me. There is joy that comes with that. If, if any of you have ever experienced that before, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because you know what you used to be like. And then God touched your life. And it changed you. And you want other people's lives to be touched and changed by Jesus as well. Because he's our only hope. You know, my debt of sin, and yours too, is so big we can't pay it off. We need help. And if I love, then I want that message to be shared to other people. Now, I think sometimes that intimidates us. We think that sounds really good, but I'm going to let professionals do that part. You know, I'm going to let professionals tell other people about Jesus. I don't want to mess up that message. That's for somebody else to do, not for me. And so we have these relationships and these friends that we love and care about, but we never share good news with them about Jesus. Is it important for us to share? Let me give you an example. On January 1st, 2010, the, the Texas uh, State Department of, uh, I think, Transportation, they were, there was a bill that was passed that said that was required them to ask every new driver license applicant if they wanted to become an organ donor or not. And I thought this was really interesting. They'd never asked that before, so they asked. They just asked people, would you like to be a donor or not? You know what happened? 
the donor list doubled. It doubled. And I said, well, so what? Well, but here's, here's, here's what's important about that. The, the donor list matters because there are people who need organs to survive. And so when they asked, it doubled the list. You know why it doubled? One simple reason. Because somebody asked. Somebody asked. And again, that makes me think, what, what would happen if we as Christians, as we demonstrate love, if we asked our friends if they'd like to know Jesus? You know, what, what would happen if we took time every day to pray for people that we work with to come into contact with Jesus, for Jesus to touch their life and to change them? What would happen if we did that? You know, what would happen if we would take time to invite people to come and worship with us? You know what I really believe would happen? I think the list would double. Why? Why would that matter? Because somebody cared enough to ask. Because somebody cared enough to pray. Because somebody cared enough to invite. Love will act. There's a lot of different definitions out there as to what love is. Love's a feeling. You know, love is getting what I want. Love is, you know, love is always joy. Well, that, that's our definition. Your definition, my definition, in the big picture of things, doesn't matter. What, what does God say? How does God define love? Well, he lets us know what love is, then he lets us know what love is not, and then he lets us know how love acts. Okay, so now saying all, this, all these things, I want to close this way. How well are you doing, you don't answer out loud, how well are you doing loving people biblically? I mean, what is love? It's been patient, long-suffering, and kind. What is love? It is, it is acting. How, how well are you doing? Now, I would think that a lot of us as believers, if we're honest, we'd say, you know what, man, I, that, I've got some things that I, I'm not demonstrating love. Instead, what I'm, I am keeping a record of wrongs. You know, I got a really big list of some people who have not done me right, who've aggravated me, just some people. Maybe it's just that, maybe just their, their personality just rubs me the wrong way, and I don't even want to be near them. What do I do with that? You know, I think for some of us, we need to take time to just simply bow our head in prayer and say, God, forgive me. Because God's called us to be people of love. could be that you have a spouse that you were struggling with, and maybe today, as a believer, maybe today you need to tell your spouse, say, you know what, I just want you to know something. I want you to know that I love you. And I want to love you like Jesus loves me. He keeps no record of wrongs. And it could be there are others of you here today, and you say, what? You're saying, that, that, that sounds so attractive to me that somebody could love me like that, but I've never experienced that before. It can be some of you need to, to bow the knee to Jesus and say, Jesus, I want to be in your family. And you can do that today. And so here's how I'd like to close. I'd just like for us to bow our heads and to close our eyes. And some of you might just simply need to pray a prayer of forgiveness. Maybe you need reconciliation with others. Seek that out today. 
but others of you need to know Jesus. And I want to encourage you where you're seated, you just simply call out to him and pray to him in a prayer or something like this. Dear Jesus, I am sinful and I need your forgiveness. And I want to thank you, Jesus, that you love me. And so I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin. And I will follow you. And I believe that you lived and that you died on a cross and that you rose from the grave. Now, if you prayed that prayer or something like it, yeah, we want to know. We want to know so we can get you some information in the mail about how to grow in your walk with Christ. We have our bulletin. You can open it up. Fill out that contact form. Check that line. It says, I commit my life to Christ. And you tear it out. As you, as you leave here today, we have ushers that will be standing at the back with baskets. You drop that in the basket. We can get you some of that information in the mail so you can start growing in your walk with Jesus. Heavenly Father, I thank you that your word defines love and what it is and God that you have called us to be a people of love as well. And so Lord, I pray that that as believers, that as a church, that we will look more and more like Jesus. Lord, I pray that you will bless us. God, that we will follow you, and I pray that we will be a blessing to you as we demonstrate to others who you are by the way that we live. And I pray these things in Jesus' name.